probability that one or more team members may be infected by intruder organism. 75%. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. Welcome back to the Thing Minute podcast, where we discuss John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror masterpiece, The Thing, one minute at a time. I'm Harper W. Harris from HarperWHarris.com, and joining me for the last day of the week is... Rob Kelly from Superman Movie Minute. Thanks for being on again, for rounding out the week with us. Oh, happy, thrilled to do it, actually. Man, it's been a really fun week, and you know, I realized uh, as we were just starting this one up that we didn't get a chance to talk about... uh, you know, your first experience with the thing. Do you remember the first time you saw the movie? I don't exactly. Uh, my I was 11 when the thing came out and my dad used to take me and my sister to movies, not every week, but pretty close. And and so from the late 70s to the 80s, we saw every cool thing a kid my age could want. I We saw Star Wars and Star Trek and Conan and the Raiders, uh, Superman. I mean, just everything. And my dad is not a movie guy. And so, you know, and of course, this is pre-internet. So there was no way to like kind of look this stuff up. You kind of just saw the commercials, saw the poster and you were like, oh, yeah, this will, I guess this will be OK. <laughs> but he was pretty he's pretty liberal as what he was willing to take me to. Like he took me to Conan, even though the movie was rated R and I think I was like nine or whatever. <laughs> but, but uh, when it comes to the thing, he wasn't that liberal. Uh, so right. the thing would have been a no sale from the beginning. Like we saw ET. I remember seeing ET in the theater, which is probably what we were literally doing while nobody was seeing the thing right at the time. So I caught this on cable and I just fell in love with it from the very first time I saw it. And it remained one of my favorite movies. And then there was that gap where, I, I just hadn't seen it for a long time. And then I, I I bought a DVD player in like the late 90s or something, maybe even a little bit later than that. And I was like, well, I'm buying a DVD player. I got to buy a DVD. <laughs> and I'm like, what's the first DVD I should buy? And there was the thing. Oh, that's I was, awesome. I was like, I haven't seen the thing in probably 10 years. And I just, I, you know, I, I, I probably broke the sound barrier, whipping it off the shelf. <laughs> and uh, it was so, and I still have it. It's the first DVD I ever, I ever bought. It's just, uh, and I, I've just, I've been enjoying it ever since. That's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to go about it. And yeah, I mean, I think, again, you know, this has been a running theme with guests of the show that, uh, you know, the home video market or seeing it on TV has been how almost everybody saw it the first time, which really, you know, uh, lends credence to how it kind of gained that cult status over the years through through that market, which is uh, which is pretty cool. So it's- uh, I have I have had the chance to see it on the big screen uh, and a revival, which was great. Uh, but but yeah, I, I was, it was through the intimacy of of home entertainment that I, I you know it got its hooks in me. Yeah, yeah, same here. I mean, the first time I saw it was on a a DVD. Either I'm not sure if we rented it, like if it was from Blockbuster or Netflix or something, or if it was. Uh, I think it may it may have been my my uncle's DVD that we borrowed. I'm not sure, but <laughs> yeah, it's definitely that that home video market was the first time I I saw it as well. And yeah, it was one of the first horror movies that that really grabbed me and and made me kind of fall in love with the genre as a whole. So it's uh, I owe it I owe it a lot. So it's uh, it's a good thing I'm doing this. Pick this uh, this movie for this show. <laughs> 
I have to wonder if if the movie's claustrophobia doesn't doesn't isn't helped by the fact you know that you're watching it at home maybe in your yeah. in your house and it's 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 a smaller. I mean, when I saw it in the theater, it worked great. It was just gangbusters. But I already loved it by then. But uh, I, it would be interesting to to see it on the big screen for the first time and then watch it on home video for the first time because it's probably just a very different emotional experience. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing interesting about, you know, I've had a chance to see it uh, once or twice on the big screen and um, just with some of the theaters that have, you know, shown it in a revival here. But, you know, that, that's a different experience now in, uh, in that everybody seeing it already knows exactly what's going to happen, too. Right. So everybody kind of knows the, the beats and, and the surprises and things. But I wonder what seeing it in a theater with a whole group of other people who've never seen it before would be like that, you know, where everybody would, you know, be be like, probably like uh, when people saw Alien the first time, people were like running out and like throwing up in the aisles. <laughs> like you have to wonder <laughs> if that kind of thing would have happened if this movie had actually gotten, at, you know, an audience like it, uh, like it deserved back when it came out in 82. Oof. Yeah, so uh, today we are, we're rounding out the week with minute 85 of The Thing, which begins with a, a bloody Windows crashing down onto the stack of board games, which uh, probably nobody's going to want to play anymore, and, um, <laughs> and ends a minute later with, uh, with, again, bloody Windows, but this time being, uh, being torched. So Windows just can't catch a break uh, this week, unfortunately. <laughs> the guy's just not having a good week. How does Windows still have a head? <laughs> it's an excellent question. Uh, a head that's seemingly covered with ketchup or barbecue sauce or something. Yeah. Uh, when we finally uh, I mean, get a uh, look at it up close. From the previous minute, Windows's head was clearly down the neck of the thing. And when he flips the body off, Windows should just be headless. Now, I know they probably couldn't afford that. And they wanted to give Windows kind of a nice death scene or whatever. And he would be, of course, if he had no head, it would be dead instantly. But they maybe they wanted McCready to be the one that delivers the death blow. But I did feel, always feel like that's a little bit of a cheat to see the thing so clearly munching on Windows's head and then he just spits him out. I'm like, well, the head's still attached. How is that possible? Come on. Right. Like you think, uh, you know, at, at, at the very least, like, I don't know, like the skin on his face would have come off or like something, you know, yeah. something kind of like what we saw with Palmer earlier. Like it's definitely, I mean, he just looks like he got a bunch of blood dunked on his head. Like nothing, there's no actual visible wounds, just a lot of gooey looking blood. <laughs> But uh, it is a very quick shot. Um, and, and yeah, I guess, you know, it probably is just a, like, hey, we can't afford to give Rob Bottin another like six weeks to get another effect together. Right. It might have something to do with it, too. Um, but yeah, it is it is kind of interesting. I, I never noticed it until watching it, you know, close enough to to uh, do the podcast to like slow it down and watch these seconds. But yeah, it is a little it's a little disappointing. <laughs> um, yeah, he falls down on those board games and uh uh, it's you don't really see them up close until later on, but I think it's worth talking about uh, some of these games that are sitting here at Outpost Thirty One because it's it's pretty it's you can tell the production design team under uh, under John Lloyd was having some fun with this because uh, here's here's some of the games that we see uh, on the shelf there: Stay Alive, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Numbers Up, <laughs> uh, World War Two Strategy Game, really clever name there. Uh, Big Ben, Easy Money, Gribbit, Backgammon, Chess, and Table Tennis. So uh, 
some of those are are just kind of generic, but I I I loved that uh, stay alive and like the, I couldn't believe those were actual board games. Stay alive and numbers up. Like that just seems like that seems like something people would play in a horror movie as they're about to get killed by a by a slasher or something like that. It seems like something made up for for a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, I have never heard of these off brand games that they have here in Apple. Easy Money. What the is that like a tie into the Rodney Dangerfield movie? Like what's that about? <laughs> I don't know. You just the thing would make a great board game, and I know they have one now yes it just came out yeah but i mean at the time like i mean of course nobody was doing merchandise for horror r-rated horror movies but like the thing would actually make like a pretty good board game it's it's all contained in one place Mm -hmm. it's very claustrophobic it would actually be really fun everybody would be fighting to be mccready i guess for the pieces right (laughs) yeah i've uh i haven't had a chance to play the new uh the mondo game yet but i've i've heard very very good things from from uh from both thing fans and from uh i have a couple friends who are really big into tabletop gaming they said it's actually very very well put together which is a good thing because it's taken them a real long time to put it out. So I'm glad yeah. it's been worth the wait. I'm, I'm looking forward to picking it up at some point soon. You have to, you have to play that with some friends and record it as like a bonus episode of the show. Yeah. I was thinking about how, figuring out how to do that and make it fun. I, I, uh, I don't know if that'd be either incredibly boring or whether it might be kind of fun. I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see how it works, shakes out, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing it. It sounds, you know, it's got a lot of elements of uh, that, you know, it sounds like it really ties in with the movie very, very well and in, in how how the game actually plays out and you like trying to guess who's infected and you're going through the rooms one by one and, you know, different char- as as the turns go around, each character gets a chance to be like in charge with the gun, which is pretty interesting. And yeah, for someone who's not a uh, not a regular tabletop gamer, it, it looks a little intimidating to me. <laughs> there's there's mm-hmm. a lot of rules and stuff, but I'm uh, I'm definitely interested in giving it a try. So hopefully that'll be something we get to uh, get to mess around with soon. You got to figure anybody that makes thing merchandise at this point is is a lifer like we are right. for the movie, and they're going to appreciate it. Like this, the, the those retro action figures that made the thing action figures, whatever. Like they're made out of love, you know. Like because yeah. it's who who else is going to want them except for the diehard people like us. Right. <laughs> yeah. Somebody mentioned, uh, I, can't, I can't remember when we talked about this, but how uh, I love to think of an alternate universe where the thing was incredibly popular in theaters and there was all kind like think about if the thing had merchandise the way Star Wars had merchandise. If people were wearing like Blair monster masks at Halloween and like, <laughs> you know, it's such a funny thing to think like, you know, having a little spider head uh uh, bucket to carry your candy in at Halloween. Like <laughs> I could just, I could picture the Kenner ad in my head now, you know, <laughs> for an action figure. It just, uh, those, that would be an interesting, uh, interesting alternate timeline. I think. <laughs> you send in the proof of purchases to get the Norwegian, you know, cause right. like that's not part of the regular set. I think that's probably the same universe that William Friedkin Sorcerer was a huge hit in. And right. Star Wars was just a minor science fiction film. Right. That's, that's yeah. Seriously. Universe. Oh man. But instead, we get the world where the thing was a total disaster and didn't, and didn't become a, 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 a big cult masterpiece until decades later. But that's just the way things shake out. Sorry, John. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so in, uh, in Minute 85, after we crashed down on those uh, ironically titled board games, I don't think we mentioned in yesterday's minute that uh, McCready, as he uses, finally is able to use the flamethrower here, is standing right next to the heat wave uh, <laughs> pinball machine, which our arcade game, which is yet another another uh, ironic bit of production design that I, I love. But yeah, so McCready finally is able to get this damn thing to work and uh, and lights Palmer on fire uh, just after, you know, not quite in time to save uh, Windows, unfortunately, but uh, he's able to take out 
take out Palmer. And incredibly, while still on fire, the Palmer thing is still kind of uh, writhing around and walking around the room, which is, uh, <laughs> you know, an extra bit of disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I admire these stunt guys that are willing to do this stuff because it's just like, I, I mean, I know that they're professionals and a lot of precautions are taken. But as we see, as we'll see in this very minute, sometimes mm-hmm. things can go wrong. Yep. And, you know, this the idea that you would willingly set yourself on fire and not even like this guy sets himself entirely on fire, not even like his arm or something. He is engulfed in flames. It just makes me nervous every time I see it. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's been a running theme on this podcast talking about how many incredibly recklessly dangerous things they did while <laughs> filming this movie and how many times the actors could have been like seriously injured or killed uh, both on and off camera. Um, and, yeah, this is certainly probably one of the more obvious, extremely dangerous things that that they did on set. Um, You know, the fact that they're in the set that, you know, this, that first shot when you see, see it on fire, I don't know whether at that point they really had somebody in the whole suit that was on fire or whether I'm guessing this was probably like a puppet when you actually see the head moving around. Right. Still, that means somebody's hands are somewhere near that uh, to be able to move that around. Um, I don't think this, I wouldn't guess that they had like a remote control thing. It just doesn't seem like the, uh, Botine style. (laughs) Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, that's pretty dangerous for a puppeteer. And then, you know, we zoom back out and then, uh, you know, not only is it a guy, a a man completely engulfed in flames, but he's walking right through the middle of the set, um, where there's other guys sitting on the couch. Uh, and you know, where very easily he might catch the entire set on fire. Like, (laughs) so, uh, yeah, it seems pretty damn dangerous. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's a convincing thing. It's like, uh, it's almost like McCready's like, Oh, this was a bad idea. (laughs) I I know on the uh, commentary track, Carpenter mentions that there was only one woman on the crew and she had to leave because she was pregnant. Right. And so I wonder like, was this stuff shot after she left? Because this feels like something a bunch of guys think to do. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, let's make him walk around while yeah. he's on fire. That'd be there's so nobody cool. With any, yeah, there's nobody with any brains to go, no, we're not going to do this. <laughs> this is horribly unsafe and it might destroy your movie. But, it's, you know, the minute the minute anybody with any brains leaves, it's just a bunch of knuckleheads. They're just like, hey, man, you want to dash yourself in fire and I'll pretend you walk around the set while the actors are sitting there tied up in ropes? Yeah, all right, let's yeah, do that. Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> It reminds me a lot of. Um, have you seen that uh, Raiders documentary about the guys who remade it? Shot uh, Raiders. Oh, of Lost those, yeah, and they set their basement on fire. Yes. <laughs> it reminds me a lot of that. Like these guys on set are a lot like those like twelve year olds who, uh, with no supervision, you know, basically <laughs> lit their house on fire and lit a person, lit a little kid on fire. Just think, <laughs> thinking, oh, we'll be able to put it out. No worries. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, the sacrifices we make for our art. Of course, of course. Um, so, uh, yeah, so he wanders around and yes, again, it's like McCready is maybe wondering like, oh boy, like what's the only thing worse than a giant monster is a giant monster on fire walking towards me, uh, you know, as if it could get more angry, (laughs) right. Um, but then we get, uh, of course the, uh, probably the most obvious homage in this movie to the original thing from another world with, uh, with a man on fire bursting through the wall and walking out into the snow to, uh, to collapse, which is, you know, very, very, very similar to the way it plays out in, uh, in that original movie that was one of John Carpenter's favorite movies growing up. Um, so, uh, 
Yeah, this was um the the guy in the suit is a guy named uh, Tony. I don't know how to pronounce that. I can't remember. It's it's, it's either Caesar or Cesar. I, I think it's spelled C E C A R E. Um, but he, he was a stuntman who I guess did this pretty regularly. Um, but even so, uh, it's it's interesting to note that um, he did not wear an oxygen tank for this, which is one of the things that j- almost every stunt like this that's ever been pulled, you do that because. One of the, the most dangerous thing about it is not being—I mean, being burned is obviously a pretty high risk. But you—you you know, they've got the suit on, and it's—it's—I guess it's burning the fuel more than it, it's actually burning you. But the the most dangerous thing about doing a firewalk like this is that if you breathe in at all, you will instantly die because the fumes, the the, the fire and the fumes will go directly into your lungs and and burn you on the inside, and there's just, you know, that's that's an instant death. Um, and so the fact that he did this without any kind of oxygen, he just he just held his breath. <laughs> oh my lord! Insane. Like I can't imagine being that confident to be just like, no, nah, I think I can hold my breath. It's all good. <laughs> that, oh, that is. I, I would l- like wonder what this guy's life is like. You right. know, like he goes home, he's like, honey, you know, <laughs> I had a rough day today. I set myself on fire, and then like. <laughs> Kids are bothering you about their homework. You know, I mean, I wonder, does that put everything into perspective for you? I don't know. <laughs> right. I lit myself on fire and I can't even come home to a warm dinner. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a lifestyle. I find it hard to uh, hard to understand. <laughs> uh, as cool as being a stuntman might be, this is not a stunt I'd, I think I'd uh, I'd ever want to try for sure. Um, mm. But yeah, it's uh, it's. It's great. I think his uh, his acting as a as a stuntman is pretty nice. The way he kind of wanders out on, into the snow is pretty. Uh, you know, you definitely get a sense. Even though you know, looking closely at it, it doesn't really look that much like the Palmer thing. It looks like a guy in a big bulky, you know, fire retardant suit or whatever. But um, just the way he moves and walks around, you definitely get the sense that it's something a little less human than than uh, than what it is, which is great. Again, we get another instance of like how strong the thing is, and that it just. It just tears through the wall, right? Like it's it, doesn't go, it doesn't doesn't go out a door. It just it's like the smash. Like oh, okay, right. <laughs> uh, so McCready follows him out the door, and uh, you know, as if um, as if it's not enough for him to be on fire, and uh, you know, colla- like he's collapsing into the snow. He's obviously dead. McCready's like, eh, I'm not taking any chances. I saw that <laughs> blood moving around a minute ago. He uh, he lights up a stick of dynamite and throws it out at it, and uh, then we get what's one of the most, uh, the biggest, most maybe most uh, commonly quoted pieces of trivia about this movie, in that uh, this explosion was much, much bigger than they expected it to be, and was incredibly dangerous, and uh, and could have very, very easily harmed uh, Kurt Russell pretty seriously. And I love that you can see it because mm-hmm. you can see Russell get knocked off his, practically knocked off his feet by the explosion and a it's funny that carpenter left that take i guess he had had no choice to leave right. that take in it's the only take they had but i love in the commentary that russell i guess with the with the safety of distance is able to laugh about it right. you can hear him literally go whoa he's like laughing at himself <laughs> so he's, Kurt russell seems like he's good sport yeah and uh you know as far as movie explosions go this is a pretty damn good one it uh i like that it's like it's such a i can't tell it's such a strong explosion i can't tell if they if there's a cut there, like if, you know, I, I imagine there probably is a cut because they let it, you know, they gave it some time. Um, so obviously they could get away, but, um, 
the the explosion's so big and so bright and it like you can see it like knock the snow off of everything around like the roof and and the uh whatever the i guess this might be the thigh coal that's right here on the left like you see the snow just like fall off of it like everything around it gets totally shaken up <laughs> it's just like this massive explosion and yeah like you say you can see kurt russell get uh gets kind of taken aback he falls up against the wall and then I think it's worth mentioning. I would love to hear this firsthand, but um, on uh, outpost31.com, which is the amazing fan site that uh, Todd Cameron, who's the earlier guest on the show, put together, he has a um, a transcript of the audio outtake from when they did this, which is pretty priceless. Wow. Um, so here's a, here's a quick uh, reading of what, what apparently happened just after that uh, explosion happened. So... Uh, it says an extremely loud boom sounds. Then you immediately hear the sound of many fire extinguishers and background people in the background screaming and laughing. And then Kurt Russell says, are you kidding me? Are you fucking with me? You're kidding me. <laughs> and then some crew person says, are you all right? And Kurt Russell says, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, crew, um, then uh crew person repeats, are you all right? And Kurt says, you fucking asshole. You got to be kidding me. And then he starts laughing. Uh, and then another, yet another crew person asks him if he's all right. And he just says, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then some, somebody else in the background says, I didn't expect anything like that. And Kurt Russell says, holy fuck, that shit blew me, blew by me so fast, man. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody else says, holy shit, a piece landed on my head. Uh, and then somebody says, uh, hey, how was it over there for you? <laughs> and then uh, my favorite bit, of course, Kurt Russell ends it by saying, cow a fucking bunga. <laughs> <laughs> so Kurt Russell is pretty much exactly the person you want him to be. Exactly. Awesome. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, on top of being just like the coolest guy ever, he was totally, uh, you know, you can tell at the beginning, based on the way uh, he talks about it, he was freaked out a little at first. And then when he realizes he's OK, he's like just totally having a blast with it and like, wow, that was, that was something else. <laughs> no wonder uh, him and Carpenter got along so well. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure Carpenter was, was sweating this, that he may, might've just killed his lead man. <laughs> so I'm, I, I, he was probably glad that uh, Kurt Russell was able to throw some levity in there for sure. <laughs> I wonder if Harrison Ford's available for big trouble in little China. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, Oh, I wonder how many shots we have left for this movie that we, that we can't get away with a body double with. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so an infamous bit of a uh, bit of movie making here that, uh, you know, Kurt Russell narrowly survived a, uh, a pretty dangerous explosion here. <laughs> On a completely unrelated note, looking in the background, I don't think I've ever really noticed before that the doorway to the camp looks so much like the doorway to Echo Base in Empire Strikes Back. It's like <laughs> I'm, I'm expecting like a tauntaun to go by at any moment. Deck officer. <laughs> yeah it does it does look very hoff like there for a minute you're right <laughs> um so i do like um this is a great kind of moment because all this tension that's been building up from the moment that blood left out of the petri dish until now that explosion kind of uh is this kind of period on the end of the sentence and there's like this moment of silence that we get um so it's almost like you take a breath for a second because you see the explosion which is obviously crazy, but then, you know, we get a moment where it's just the, the kind of debris falling down and then they cut back to uh, Kurt Russell and all you hear is kind of the wind um, while he kind of looks at it and you're like, ah, okay, well, that was crazy, but at least we're done with that, right? <laughs> it's the, uh, it's the, the nightmare is finally, it's one of the many nightmare is finally over fake out moments of this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, so a nice bit of editing, I thought. Um, yeah, it's it's nice to give McCready a half second of just okay. I'll just stand there and watch what's going on, and before he's got to go do another horrible thing. Yeah, it's a moment of relief, and it's also maybe like uh, you know a moment of for everybody in the theater to kind of cheer for a second to to like give that yeah. bit of pause for everybody to react before we go back inside and see what's what what new horror awaits us. <laughs> um, so yeah, so after that. Uh, after we just hear the wind for a second and then we get this this great cut which kind of if you're just looking at this cut on its own kind of makes me laugh because it's this quiet wind and then we cut to uh this nasty looking version of windows where he's again just kind of oozy and bloody looking and he makes this like gross kind of burp or rivet sound sound effects are so and he's right in front of that gribbit board game which i think it has to be intentional (laughs) because that that almost sounds like the sound he makes when we first cut back it's this gross Uh, just like it's burp or something yeah Um, it's fantastic so it's like, oh, no, we're not done quite yet. Uh, wi- you know, Windows is not, you know, poor old Windows. <laughs> we're not done with him yet. Um, so, uh, you know, McCready comes back in and everybody else is still, t- you know, we almost forget for a minute that everybody else is still tied to the couch <laughs> while this is going on. And, uh, yeah, they're like, uh, you know, they're pleading with McCready to do something about Windows in the corner there who's quickly becoming a, a, the newest threat um, to the guys. So. <laughs> Uh, for some reason, McCready grabs the other flamethrower. I guess I don't know what's going on with his. Maybe he just doesn't doesn't trust it because he had so much trouble before. But mm-hmm. he uh, grabs. I guess that's. I don't know if that's um, Windows flamethrower or if that's just the. I think there's a third one. Maybe that's the other one sitting on the ground there. But anyways, uh, it's I guess already ready to go because he just light, lights it off and it uh, and burns Windows and that's the end of uh, poor Windows there. <laughs> Yeah, the last shot of him is is that dead dummy they rigged up with just like the legs. And I think Carpenter says in the commentary that it was some rods poked through the the wall. And it's just a guy just moving the rods back and forth, making the legs move as if it's kicking as he's burning to death. So just, again, a great practical, simple, but a great little effect because it, you know, it, it gets across the idea that this is somebody who is, not, you know, not 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 alive but not yet dead and he is certainly feeling the effects of the the, the, the burning it's just another you know poor windows poor window <laughs> could not catch a break uh and yeah i i didn't really i've never thought about it before but this movie is has a disturbing amount of people being burned alive and moving around while they're being burned in it mm-hmm. <laughs> which is always always pretty disturbing so uh um, but yeah, I liked, like you mentioned in the, in the commentary that, you know, they were guys kind of puppeteering those legs to, to keep it moving while it was burning. Um, and it's, it's, it was interesting that Carpenter said that, uh, they were getting a little worried because they're right on the other side of that wall that was on fire. Um, so, you know, they were probably starting to feel the heat a little bit, uh, on the other side. there. So I'm sure they, uh, as soon as they call a cut, they got the hell out of there, which is, uh, you know, par for the course for this movie. <laughs> That poor game of Gribbit just went up in flames. <laughs> it's probably probably worth a lot of money now. Probably all these weird-ass board games would <laughs> catch a pretty penny. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to see. I just saw on uh, on the Outpost 31 discussion group uh, the other day that there's a guy who has been working. He's in the middle of a project where he's building out his own basement to be an exact replica of the rec room. So I'm sure he's uh, he's looking for these board games left and right on eBay. Uh, <laughs> if you're listening, man, I hope you find that copy of uh, of Numbers Up and Stay Alive. I hope that works out. <laughs> he is either single 
or as the, cool, <laughs> the, cool, the coolest spouse in all of history. Right. Very understand. Or maybe uh, maybe she's not aware of this yet. It's just a it's just a cool remodel of the basement. You know, it's a very cool <laughs> 80s looking remodel. What is this heat wave game? What is that about? Yeah, very weird. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, I don't think he'll be burning it down in the way that they, they've, uh, I think, I don't know if this is the last, uh, this scene is really the last time we see the rec room, but yeah, I think at this, from this point forward, it's uh, not really usable at, at, at no. anymore. There's a big old hole in the wall. I mean, Gary already, <laughs> Gary already broke one of the windows in the opening scene of the movie, and now there's a flaming hole in the wall, and yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, nobody's playing ping pong for the rest of the movie, I don't think. <laughs> I think they're done. Yeah, I think so. So, uh, man, I think that'll that'll probably do it. I don't think I had anything else for this minute. Did, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to to talk about? Uh, not in this minute. I did. I did want to say, though, because uh, now we're at the end of uh, end of the week. Yeah. Um, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. And, you know, when when I saw the movie minute uh, format was starting like kind of like growing like, uh, you know, like a, in a stuff in a Petri dish. I, the thing was one of the movies I had considered doing because oh, awesome. I love it so much. And then I saw yours, your little graphic pop up. And I was like, son of a bitch, you know, and I was I was like, OK, all right. And I, I have to admit, I was a little like, who is this guy? And, and you know, I don't know who this guy is. And I he better do a damn good job because this movie is too good to do a lousy job. And you have done a great job. Yeah, I think this is one of my favorite of the Movie Minute podcast. I listen to it every day at work. It's nothing. It's been nothing but a pleasure, and I think you're doing a great service to the movie. So uh, good job, Harper. And plus, it's perfect. Your name sounds like a thin character, Harper. <laughs> You know, like the thing minute hosted by Rob Kelly. That's so boring. You know, but you sound like you would fit in perfectly. Like, you know, get, cut the bullshit, Harper. It's, it's, it's perfect. Uh, well, and I really, I, I really appreciate that. That that does mean a lot. I'm, I'm glad I was able to do it justice. I uh, I spent I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, watching the movie over and over again and doing a, a, uh, an obnoxious amount of trivia note taking. So uh, I'm glad it's I'm glad it's paying off and somebody's enjoying it. <laughs> I love it. And I know you've said that you probably are not going to do the prequel because you just don't have because that movie, you know, is not that great, really. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy it just because it's it's the it's the world of the thing. Right. And I like yeah. being back in the world. Yeah. But I also understand doing a minute by minute podcast of a movie that you don't think is that great. is pretty tedious. <laughs> I will say, though, I will say I would absolutely financially and whatever else I need to do support you <laughs> the movie by minute of the original movie. Oh, I think that would yeah. be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought. I've thought about doing a um, just kind of a, a one-off special edition episode where where I have some guests on just to talk about the movie as a whole. So maybe I'll do that first and see how that works out, and, and maybe uh, maybe consider that. It might be interesting. That's a movie I'm far less familiar with than this one, though. Well, you can see maybe you can even try and get Carpenter onto the show. We know he loves it. Uh, that's true. You never know. <laughs> he's uh, yeah, he's been in close contact. I've, I've I've got two degrees of, of John Carpenter with uh, Todd that I mentioned earlier from Outpost 31. He's he's spent some time with John Carpenter and talked to him a, a good bit. So, yeah, you, know, you never know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, maybe it's worth a shot. But uh, yeah, John, if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> we do. Awesome. Well, man, thank you so much for being on this week. It's it's been a it's been a pleasure. And this has been, uh, you know, definitely one of the the best set of uh five minutes of the movie one of the most interesting and and with some fun stuff to talk about and uh yeah i, I really appreciate you coming on and, and having fun with it with me well thank you for inviting me like i said it was a real honor i love the show and i love this movie just so 
so much. It's, it's a movie that you know has aged with me. I loved it as a, as a twelve year old, and I love it as an <clears throat> older person. Uh, <laughs> I just think it's it's just so much fun. And and the when the movie by minute shows are done right, uh, which I hope we are doing over Superman Movie Minute, it's just such a great way to pay tribute to a movie that you love. And so uh, I think this podcast, whenever you're done with it, will will stand as a really great testament to to this really great movie. And so thank you for having me on. Yeah, of course, man. I appreciate it. And, and hey, you want to give everybody, uh, you know, just a, a last plug on where they can find your your shows and everything? Uh, yeah, Superman Movie Minute is part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, and that's over at fireandwaterpodcast.com. There we have uh, almost a new show pretty much almost every day. We have about six or seven of us uh, and then uh, some other people that do shows. And it's a lot of comic book related stuff. But I do a movie show. I do a show about Bob Dylan because I love that. And so we have a lot, a lot of great people with a lot of great content. And there's always something fun to listen to. And so that's where you can find uh, all the back episodes of Superman Movie Minute. Awesome. Well, yeah, I wish you the best as you as you get, you know, around that that uh, milestone mark and get closer to the end of that as well. Yeah, keep it up, man. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, if you know if it, if if your minute podcast doesn't kill you the same way uh, mine doesn't kill me, <laughs> then uh, you know I, I'm looking forward to seeing what you do next for sure. We're having a lot of fun, and we have yet to discuss whether by doing Superman movie minute means we have to do Superman four movie minute. I don't know. I'm not ready to take on that task. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's maybe a bit off more than you can chew there. <laughs> I think so. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks again for coming on, and I think that'll wrap us up. But. Um, if you, uh, listeners, if you like the show and you want to support it, you can go to thethingminute.com slash Amazon. That'll take you right to uh, the Amazon homepage, just like you normally would. Uh, it's the holiday season, so if you're doing your holiday shopping, that would be awesome if you could go through that link. And, you know, basically everything you buy, you know, won't make any difference to you, but a small percentage of that uh, comes out of Amazon's pockets and goes to the podcast. So um, you can do that, or you can donate directly using the donate button at the bottom of the website. But either way, any any of that, or reviewing the show on iTunes, or spreading the word, or anything you can do, uh, is greatly appreciated. And and I love all the people that listen to the show and and uh, you know contribute and 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 talk to us on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. So keep doing all that, and uh, and we'll keep putting out the shows right until the end of the movie. So appreciate everybody's support and uh hope you have a great weekend and if you're still a human by monday if you're not a palmer thing or a norris thing or or a dog thing or a bennings thing or any of the other things we've seen so far uh then come back for another episode of the thing minutes thanks for listening if you enjoyed the show please go to thethingminute.com. there you'll find the show notes with links to anything we talked about on this episode and lots of other resources on the thing you can also find us on Twitter at The Thing Minute and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Thing Minute. But most importantly, subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Check out other podcasts like this at moviesbyminutes.com and be sure to head over to starwarsminute.com to listen to the team that started it all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Harper signing out. Harper signing out.